Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to begin this day together in prayer, to begin this week uh, together in prayer. This is Monday, and we're now in the third week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but it is a season made up of a week of weeks. This uh, week, we continue our reading in the Acts of the Apostles, and we learn and we look and see what it is that these apostles did uh, as they were filled with and led by the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. As we make our way through the amazing first decades of the church, please feel free to send me uh, an email with any stories or insights or questions uh, that you might have that might arise uh, with you and in your life this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer together in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who lives and gives salvation and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts chapter 7. The high priest addressed Stephen. Are these things true, he said. My brothers and fathers, replied Stephen, please give me a hearing. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he moved to live in Haran. Leave your land and your family, he said to him, and go to the land which I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and went to live in Haran. Then from there, after his father's death, God moved him on to this land in which you now live. God didn't give him an inheritance here, not even a place to stand up in. Instead, he promised, when Abraham still had no child, that he would give it as a possession to his seed after him. This is what God said to him, that his seed would be strangers in a foreign land, that they would serve there as slaves, and that they would be afflicted for four hundred years. But God said that he would judge the nation that had enslaved them, and that they would come out and worship him on this mountain. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision, 
So Abraham became the father of Isaac, and he circumcised him on the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of the twelve patriarchs. Now the patriarchs became angry with Joseph and were jealous of him. They sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles and gave him grace and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, making him ruler over Egypt and over all of his household. But then there was a famine over the whole land of Egypt and Canaan, and it resulted in great hardship. Our ancestors couldn't find food to eat. Jacob, however, heard that there was grain in Egypt and sent our ancestors there on an initial visit. On their second trip, Joseph made himself known to his brothers and revealed to Pharaoh what family he was from. So Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all the family, 75 people in all. Jacob came to Egypt, and he and our ancestors died there. They were brought back to Shechem and buried in the tomb which Abraham had bought with silver at a named price from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. God had sworn an oath to Abraham, Stephen continued, when the time drew near for this promise to be fulfilled, the people had increased and multiplied in Egypt until another king arose over Egypt, one who had not known Joseph. He got the better of our people and ill-treated our ancestors, forcing them to abandon their newborn children so that they would die. It was at that time that Moses was born, and he was a noble-looking child. He was nursed for three months in his father's house, but when they abandoned him, Pharaoh's daughter claimed him and brought him up as her own son. So Moses was educated in the full teaching of Egyptian wisdom, and he was powerful in what he said and did. When he had grown to about forty years old, he came into his heart to see how his family, the children of Israel, were doing. He saw someone being wronged and came to the man's defense. He took revenge on behalf of the man who was being oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. He thought his kinfolk would grasp the fact that God was sending him to their rescue, but they didn't. The next day he showed up as two Hebrews were fighting, and he tried to bring them back together again. Now then, you two, he said, you are brothers. Why are you wronging each other? But the man who was wronging the others wasn't having it. Who do you think you are, he retorted, pushing him away. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me in the same way that you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At that word, Moses ran away and lived as a guest in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. After another forty years, an angel appeared to him in the desert at Mount Sinai, in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the vision. But as he came closer to see, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses was very frightened and didn't dare look. But the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have looked long and hard at the trouble of my people, the trouble that they are having in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. So come on now, I'm going to send you to Egypt." So, Stephen continued, the same Moses, the one they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler or a judge? This is the man God sent as a ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who had appeared to him in the bush. He did signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and led them out through the Red Sea and for forty years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who said to the children of Israel, God will raise up a prophet like me from among your brothers. 
This is the one who was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who had spoken to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to give to us. This is the one whom our ancestors had not wanted to obey, but instead rejected him and turned back in their hearts to Egypt by saying to Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. For this Moses who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. They made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice to an idol. They celebrated their things their own hands had made. Then God turned and handed them over to worship the hosts of heaven, as it stands written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring sacrifices and offerings to me in those forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of the god Rehem, the carved images that you made to worship. I will remove you beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had a tent of meeting in the desert. God had commanded Moses to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. Our ancestors, in their turn, brought it then in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations whom God drove out before our ancestors, and it was there until the time of David. David found favor with God and requested permission to establish a tabernacle for the house of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built him a house. The Most High, however, does not live in shrines made by human hands. The prophet put it like this, Heaven is my throne, and earth my footstool. What sort of house will you build me, says the Lord, or what place will you give me to rest in? My own hand made all these things, did it not? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are uncircumcised. You always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors did before you. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? And you killed those who announced in advance the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed him and murdered him. You received the law at the command of angels, but you didn't keep it. What Stephen said was a blow right to the heart. When they heard it, they gnashed their teeth against him. He, however, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked steadily up into heaven. There he saw the glory of God in Jesus, standing at God's right hand. Look, he said, I can see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. But they yelled at him at the top of their voices, blocked their ears, and made a concerted dash toward him. They bundled him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses laid down their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. So they stoned Stephen. Lord Jesus, he cried out, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and shouted at the top of the voice, Lord, don't let this sin stand against them. Once he had said this, he fell asleep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stephen makes what seems like a peculiar defense. He retells the whole story of Israel, and then he turns the story on his accusers, and instead of defending his own actions, he actually prosecutes the hard-heartedness of the Jerusalem elite, who stand in a line with their ancestors and who now stand in judgment against him. That kind of defense will get you killed. But Stephen was pleading his case before the high priest or the council. Actually, he was pleading his case before the judgment seat of God. 
That is what Stephen's vision of the glorified Lord, now enthroned at God's right hand and installed as judge of all the people of the earth, communicates. And it is that vision that assures the church's first martyr of the vindication of his faith in Jesus, the Messiah. Stephen's powerful defense speech reminds us that Jesus comes in fulfillment of all that God had promised in Scripture, from Abraham through the prophets, and in doing so, in defense of the Lord our God. He demonstrates God to be faithful to God's promise and God's people, even when they were unfaithful. Aligned now with the steadfast and loving heart of God displayed in Jesus Christ, Stephen's last breath is used to ask for the forgiveness of the very people who, in stoning him, continue to reject the God who had called them and made them God's own people. We can hear Stephen's prayer for forgiveness, sometimes maybe as a mere formality, something righteous martyrs say on their death. But to bring about their forgiveness is really what Jesus has done and what he commanded his disciples to be about, to do. And, and we will soon discover that God hears Stephen's prayer and answers it by stepping into the life of the man who led the crowd that made Stephen a martyr. Enter now, Saul of Tarsus. What do you think? Can God's grace abound in such abundance as to change the heart of this zealous young Pharisee who has just now instigated the stoning of Stephen? If God's grace can, then surely the Spirit can empower our life and our witness today. If you were asked, what kind of defense would you give for your faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Mighty God of mercy, We thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for sun, 
for rain, for warm, for cold, for the new creation in Christ and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, and for the forgiveness you have given us and for the healing that is at work in us, for the gifts of relationship with others, especially those who are closest to us, and for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nations of the world, that they would do so with wisdom and compassion. For the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, that you would rescue them, protect and defend them, and give them a share of the abundance of this world. For all who work for peace in international harmony, for all who strive to serve, save the earth from carelessness and destruction, and for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, that we might be bold in our witness to the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the healing and peace that is ours in Christ. For who else and for what else do we pray this morning? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak. Help the afflicted, honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen.